Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Unconventional Geek. We are joined with Average Video Game Joe. He is back for part two of his episode. I know I didn't really close it out with saying that there was going to be a part two, but that's because we decided to actually record it in two sections, but we can call this part B. <laughs> um, yeah. So we left off and with uh, Joe telling us about how he's basically the, the medium now for this giant community of fighting players and how him taking off and like, you know, getting to, what was it, red rank? Get yeah, that right. Uh, the Gemba ranks in Tekken, yeah. yeah. To Red Ranks had led him into building this awesome community and building his streaming uh, numbers up. So I wanna I wanna take it way back before you even started streaming, and I wanna I wanna know what got you into video games and like what era of video games did you start playing? Okay. Um, I think I sort of talked about it in the last episode, but I'll try to go into more detail. Um, I basically started thanks to my, my, I have, I have a couple of older siblings, um, mm -hmm. both, both happen to be brothers and, uh, they, you know, they were in the, the prime time of the late eighties, early nineties where it was still the Sega and Nintendo wars, uh, when that started to be, be in its prime. And so, but one of my other, one of my brothers was like a big PC gamer. Um, I remember he had some sort of like uh, Macintosh, some like an old school Macintosh, and one of those uh, old school Pentium Windows 93, Windows 95 machines where you could play those uh, old school first person shooter games like Doom and Duke Nukem. Uh -huh. uh, and I don't know which game I got exposed to as a baby, but like let's just say I got exposed to video games more than I did uh, than I had the ability to walk. Um, <laughs> so I was always basically around games because my brothers were, were big, uh, pretty big gamers, uh, back in the day. And they, I remember they told me the story about how like every summer they would, um, their, our, our parents, you know, you know, my parents, my parents are kind of like, or like kind of old school traditional in the sense that, or at least back in the day they were, uh, they would like, uh, my dad, my dad would have the consoles, the Sega, they had a Sega Genesis for sure. Mm -hmm. I don't know if they had any other consoles, but I know for sure they had a Sega Genesis. Uh, um, but he would lock the Sega, he would not allow my, my brothers to play the Sega Genesis until the summertime when school was out. And so when, when school is in session, there is what? no, there is no console. There is no, that's what they told me. I don't know. I don't know if that's a true story or not, but I'm going, they say it. They told, they have told me all the time. Like they t they have told me basically the origins of me being a gamer. <laughs> uh, so this is like so this, I'm passing down the knowledge to you guys uh, out here listening to this podcast. And so yeah, so anytime they they would go they would but when it when the summer came they would play games like they would basically play every single day, um because uh you know it was pretty cool to have a not having to go to I mean we used to have an arcade in our our hometown. But it died out pretty shortly around somewhere around the 90s, like most arcades in the United States did. Uh, but ours was pretty small because we lived in a very small town to begin with, so and they didn't have the cool kind of fighting games that um, and, and stuff like that that or platforming games or whatever that uh, that you would see in those arcades. And so when I was born, um, and I was a couple of years in uh, to you know uh, the real world. Um, they started, you know, my, my, basically my parents trusted my brothers to do some babysitting with me when my parents were out and about, uh, either due to work or whatever. And, um, 
they would be playing mostly uh, either – all I remember was either they played Duke Nukem on the PC, um, like they would take turns watching each other play, or some other PC games that I'm not aware about. And and I, I'm i pretty sure they had like the adult filter, like the parental filter off because my, my – my siblings and, uh, were pretty smart. They were really technical dudes. They were really, really uh-huh. technically smart guys that knew how to operate with a computer more, way more than my parents. My brothers were into that stuff, and so you know they would have like full admin privileges and everything. I, I'm assuming that included um, that included also making sure they they got the full you the experience of playing their games without any kind of filter settings or whatnot. And so um, the same the same was said. The same can be said for when I was playing, when they had me checking out them playing on the Sega Genesis. They would just have me plopping right alongside with them. And I don't think I ever really, from what they told me, I never really cried that much. I was just watching them play and I was getting entertained. Like, yeah, I was having, and I didn't know what was going on because, you know, obviously I'm a, I'm a little, 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 I'm a little kid, a little baby. A little, uh, um, very but, little. Uh, yeah, but most of the time, because, you know, it was both of my brothers and they had only two controllers. You know, they would be playing mostly fighting games. Um, and so they would either be playing Street Fighter 2 or some Mortal Kombat game. And like I said, they, they had the Mortal Kombat. They had all that, um, you know, you know the cheat codes to enable the fatalities and stuff and the blood stuff. Yeah, yeah. You know, they had all that stuff. They were into that stuff, like, big time. Like, they were so wild by all the graphics and everything. They were, like I said, they were big gamers, too. So I got most most of my exposure to gaming thanks to, the, thanks to, my, thanks to my siblings. Uh, and then when I got a little bit older, my parents didn't have the same restrictions on me like they had my brothers. No, uh, the, I didn't have the to younger wait child the always gets the youngest the, child. The yeah, so there's though. perks to being the youngest kid. Yeah, because you know uh, the other thing is my parents are probably thinking because my brothers are like in the age gap. They're they're quite a bit older than me in terms of the age gap. Uh, so one of them is like a decade years older than me because my parents thought probably it was a good idea. Like, hey, wife. You know, or husband, we're gonna make a we're gonna make a child every generation, and whichever child succeeds the most, we will retire at their family home with them, or something. So like, so like, uh, the age gap was significant. Okay, so you know, <laughs> I know that's not really related. To the case, I'm over here just dead. Yeah. Like I'm dead right now. Sorry, but because like, look, cause so, so this is another perk because uh, you know I was like you know the most you know. I guess also because I was so I was so into games like I ended up actually I think I I pretty much had an addiction to games because I didn't really go out that much and I didn't really have any friends either when mm-hmm. I was young and it was a nice way to just uh, it was a nice coping mechanism through uh, and whatnot and I never had like I know there's a lot of people that say well video games causes violence well I've been playing video violent video games like there's since, also like, a lot of studies I mean, that disprove that and. That disproves that too, right? But I, yeah, so. I, I feel like I feel like they should use me as a case example because I've played nothing but violent video games since I was a baby. Literally since I was a baby, since I could hold a controller in my hand, I could I could actually know what I was doing, and you know I I, I think it turned out alright, um, considering. Um, that, that's still up then, for debate. I mean, come on. Uh, you know, I think my 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 record's clean. I ain't got no criminal record as far as I <laughs> as far as I'm aware. So you know, unless unless my parents are hiding something away from me, you know, unless like there's I that one memories. time in Albuquerque. Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. So the cool thing is my eldest my eldest sibling. He you know he was old enough to just strike out on his own and he moved out to the states and whatnot. But my I was still with my middle brother. And the cool the cool perk of uh, the age gap was that. You know, whenever he uh, was making, he was doing a part-time job. And he was making money. He was still uh, gaming from time to time, and yeah. I was able to get 
uh, I was able to play whatever games he was able to uh, he was able to play or whatever he allowed me to with his uh, with his own properties because the Sega Genesis belonged to my parents essentially. Yeah. But like things like I got the next like console I got exposed to after the Sega Genesis was the Sega Dreamcast, and the Sega Dreamcast was like whoa man that was that was that was a life changer because a... I remember, yeah. What's up? Such a such an interesting thing to think about the Dreamcast because it was such a failed system but such a good system at the same time. It was way ahead of its time too. Like I actually some of, I actually felt like the graphics were so much better than the PS2. Looking back, until the PS2 started learning how to do like uh, advanced lighting shaders and shadow shaders, and that's kind of the advantage that the PS2 console felt I felt had over Dreamcast. Well, I mean now looking back, right? I didn't have a PS2 yeah. uh, growing up. Um, well, that's a lie. My brother did. Um, he never he never really let me play the PS2, but he did always let me play the Dreamcast. Like Gee, I noticed I there was a trend. Like anytime, <laughs> I, I noticed. I, well, actually, this is interesting. I noticed every time my my middle brother like upgraded his consoles to the next like big thing he wanted to play, he would let me play more of the old console, uh, without like any kind of restrictions or anything. Uh, so yeah, the Dreamcast was the next one that I was exposed to, and I was exposed to playing platformer games like Sonic Adventure Two. Uh, which I thought was, I still think is one of the best Sonic games around. Uh, but it really, it really, I guess, incited my passion for gaming. Um, especially when I got that kind of, especially when I basically had like the the siblings who were already gamers prior before this. Mm -hmm. And uh, I remember one of them even exposed me to Quake Three Arena, which is my first first person shooter besides Duke Nukem, which is a multiplayer. So I got exposed to playing on a PC multiplayer game in Quake Three Arena. And I guess I wasn't too shabby. Um, and I got to learn a lot about how, like, computers work uh, through just through, just through exploring on my own because I was so desperate to play these games. I didn't know how to, like, log in and stuff. And apparently, according to my brothers, uh, I, I would actually – I somehow guessed the password to the administrative account to our Windows 95 and Windows 2000 machines. And I would just – I would be, like, gaming one night, and my parents would, like, come in. My dad would come in. My brothers would come in. They'd be like, go! How is this guy? Who gave him access to this computer? It's like, we locked it, Dad. We locked it, Dad. We promised we locked it, dude. Oh, you don't know how he got in. We never gave him the password. He doesn't even know how to. He doesn't even know how to speak. I apparently I was a really, really quiet guy. I never really talked much. They thought I actually had a speech impediment because I never really talked much. Mm -hmm. When, when in, in reality, I just, uh, you know, I was just, I was just actually an introverted, quiet, quiet, quiet kid. I just never really talked much. And now they can't get I, you to I, shut up. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, they can't. No, they, <laughs> they, they don't like it when I debate with them. They definitely don't like it when I debate. They think, oh, man, this guy just talks too much. He debates too much. He literally wins the debate just by talking all, like, 20 hours. With, you know. <laughs> so, yeah, so. Yeah, but I guess that, that's how I got my start with uh, with games in general. So. Okay. Um. So you said that sonic what you think is like the greatest the sonic adventures is the greatest game of all time what specifically yeah, or really or yeah series or what specifically about it is uh like... number one compared to and this is based on my limited experience playing the ps3 games and 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 some of the ps4 PS2 games or ps3 because those are two different uh, ps uh the ps3 and the and the ps I'm sorry, I'm sorry, the PS3 and the PS4 games, whatever whatever existed for it, like, because, uh, like, Sonic Heroes, I remember playing on a PC, but I don't, I'm, I'm, count, I'm purely looking at it from a console. I don't know when Sonic Heroes came out. Did that come out on PS2 or a uh, PS3? I, I honestly don't remember. I would assume it's PS2. Uh, well, it doesn't matter, because, like, all I know is that I hated the series after, I, something, Sega took, when Sega got out of the hardware console game, uh, games went to crap, there was, by the way. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, they 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 took a serious decline. I felt like the quality of their software titles, uh, even their marketing. I felt, I felt like they should fire their entire marketing department and just uh, re redo the marketing department to get much more uh, in tune modern modern like hires because I felt like. Um, but anyways, uh, just to answer your question, I apologize. Let me go ahead and answer oh, your no, question. You're fine. Uh, I felt like the level designs were interesting. Shadow the Hedgehog was like one of the most uniquely interesting like characters uh, ever introduced in like uh, in, in I guess in a gaming universe because like he just felt like a cool. He didn't feel like a, he didn't really feel like an afterthought, but he felt like a really really cool like antithesis to Sonic. Um, and I actually loved the way he moved. His animations worked. I liked how he kind of like uh, used like his his sneakers like would his, wouldn't touch the ground, but he would still like run as fast as Sonic. And so mm -hmm. and it was also cool being able to play other characters like Rouge the Bat or Knuckles the Hedgehog, and with their own unique level design experiences that are tailored to those characters and their like gameplay design. Where Sonic was more the platforming, uh, Knuckles and Rouge was more the, um, I guess the, you know, treasure hunting, and then you had the Eggman and Tails with, I don't know, I don't know, it was a weird, it was like a semi-platform, like, a, it's like a slower version of the Sonic, Sonic platforming. I forgot, like, sorry, I'm looking up things, like, about Sonic yeah. Adventure 2, because I forgot, like, what console it came out for, like, and stuff like that, and I'm just like, Man, I forgot yeah. about like these graphics. They were decent. Like <laughs> they were, they were amazing. And can you believe most? A lot of the Sega games were run, were running at sixty frames per second. So Sonic Adventure Two, uh, I don't, I don't remember about Sonic Adventure One. Sonic Adventure Two was running at sixty frames per second, and that was one of the first game. That's like literally the first game I got proper exposure in terms of like understanding how fast and smooth a game is playing on a TV or on a on a monitor or whatnot. Mm -hmm. uh, you actually, f when you, especially when you're playing Sonic or Shadow, you actually felt like you were playing the fastest hedgehog in, in the world. Um, yeah. And it was just, it was so immersive in that. And I think the other major thing that I liked was the story was pretty cool, but like in terms of the gameplay, uh, the, the power-ups you had, uh, like the being able to teleport to like different rings that, that traverse on a pattern, like there's like a pattern mm -hmm. of rings that you can get to the next level or like being able to do like uh or like shoot metal crates uh when you upgrade your lasers um mm -hmm. thing or like be able to breathe underwater like forever uh with rouge or or knuckles like those are awesome i mean those are i i felt like that was like a true uh example of a fully completely polished game where the, all the designs made sense which is kind of lacking i feel like in a lot of games today I think um, that's because a lot but, of the games. Yeah, rely once on the once fact the sequels that... for like Shadow, the, you know the Shadow of the Hedgehog game where somehow Sega thought it was a really great idea to make him ride on a motorcycle and shoot guns because apparently motorcycle riding a motorcycle is faster than being one of the fastest characters in the universe. Uh, I just like I just got completely <laughs> disgusted with the series. I, it's the dumbest thing. Like just from a marketing standpoint, it just it was so dumb. I was like, I mean, you are, aren't you excited for Sonic the Hedgehog the movie? Hey, that, game, that movie looks suspect, man. <laughs> I, I, I feel like they tried to copy Nintendo and Pikachu, that Pikachu Detective movie, and then I'm just no, like, it just uh, it just looks like a horrible adaptation of Sonic the Hedgehog. Like it's not a good look. That's what I'm telling you, man. You got, it looks like I, a horror Sega, movie. Sega has a, whoever is in charge of Sega's marketing department needs to just needs to just. I feel like there's some, there's still a lot of old heads in the Sega department, in the Sega company that needs to just. Either, either just let someone else take over, demote yourself. Just they, he's trying they need not to, to they cuss need to right now. He, he, this is yeah. his true frustrations right now. And 
I don't consider myself a Sonic fanboy or anything of that sort. I just I was a when I was a kid, I was you know I it was just one of my favorite like nostalgic series that I used to love, and now I, I or and maybe I think I outgrew it. Maybe it's not for me anymore. Maybe it's just they're gonna keep it oriented to kids. I don't know about that movie though. The movie looks like I'm telling you that looks like a horror movie. Okay, like that that doesn't look like a Sonic yeah, Hedgehog. The leaks, the leaks weren't good. Yeah, the leaks were good, but yeah, I, I remember I tried playing Sonic. He same the music. Oh. Also, my favorite thing about Sonic Adventure 2 was music, the music, and also Streets of Rage 2 on the Sega Genesis, because I, I remember having the beat-em-up games, too, on the Look, Sega Genesis. Dreamcast the music was, was very was underrated, but Super underrated. It, it was also, they didn't maintain it. Like, they didn't get exclusives like Sony did, or they didn't push for other developers. So it, they were trying it, to be another Nintendo, where Nintendo sells their products based on their their lineup, their games, you know? It, you know, it didn't help that it was too easy to pirate. Like, it was too easy to bypass the encryption stuff. It just, um, you know... I, I remember they basically didn't even have any real encryption services on their on their CDs, on their GD-ROMs. Um, oh, really? So, like, yeah. So, it was really it was really easy to just pirate the system and crack crack all the encryption stuff that was related to it. So, what so, you're saying you know, it didn't... is Sega was actually the nice guy of the 90s. Or of the they were pretty. They were thousands. pretty good. I mean, like I said, uh, if they did, this is why uh, most consoles, most console manufacturers, they learn. They learn from Sega's demise because, like, they only had two years to work with, mm-hmm. and uh, it didn't. It didn't help that, that Sega was a little bit pricier. The Dreamcast was a little bit pricier than the PS2. PS2 was like what two ninety nine. Uh, Sega Dreamcast was three ninety nine, uh, and they oh, were I losing have, a lot of I support. No but yeah, so like, I, or I could be confusing that with the Saturn. Uh, I could be wrong, but. You know, Sega, the Dreamcast introduced a lot of innovative stuff. I mean, they even, they were the first to have, like, a little modem. So you could actually connect it to the internet and do That's stuff. That's true, with it. I remember that. Um, you could do that with the yeah. PlayStation with an add-on. <laughs> the PlayStation add-on. Yeah, too. with the add-on. But at least Dreamcast had it natively built in. And the cool thing about the Dreamcast was it also had the little little menu interface. You know how PS4, you don't have a disc in. You're in the little main menu of your little menu. Dreamcast, pine, like, innovated. That's, it literally invented that stuff. Um, before Xbox, before PS2, before all those guys, Dreamcast. Yeah, I remember was they had console. their own like interface before like. It, it was, was pretty like too. It was like a little OS. music. Yeah, I remember there was a music uh, program. There was uh, I don't know. There's some other programs that I remember. There was a music one, and, that, and there was like the VMs. The VM, the little little memory disc thing on your controller, was like there's still nothing like it. Um, I I don't know what that was. So close. like I always saw them, but I had no clue what those were. Like it I, was I basically their version of a of a memory disk where you would save your games and stuff, but like you could actually use it in some games to interact with the environment or get some cool bonuses, like in-game bonuses. Uh, it would actually like even you could even play mini games on um, if you had certain add-ons with it. But like uh, that was your primary memory memory disk. Huh, uh, like you know, it was dope. Yeah, it was dope. And the cool thing was how portable it was, so you could just connect it anywhere and on any controller you want. It would be registered like no problem. Uh, that's where the that's where the Dreamcast registered all your save file, all your settings, all like everything. Um, it was like the cloud, but not the cloud. <laughs> like so. a portable, like a portable local cloud of sorts. Yeah, that's what that's what I mean. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so yeah, I suppose I suppose I don't think it had a wireless component to it. I could be totally wrong, um, but yeah, you would slot it into your controller, and then your controller would be like, like kind of like how. It, Kind of like how Switch, like you connect your controllers to the main little thing, 
that little hardware is actually uh, the Nintendo Switch's hardware is actually where everything is saved, and then you put a little memory disc, little memory like sand disc slot yep. into the into the console. The principle works almost the same. Um, so they just did it with a controller, uh, with its own controller rather than like the actual console, which I thought was pretty dope. That's that's a night way. It, it's, apparently, they saved a lot of money manufacturing. Okay. Hmm. Yeah. So. Little, little tidbits. It's always the little tidbits that you never know. I'm surprised I know so much. Yeah, I'm surprised I know so much about it. <laughs> I think you've done too much research on this subject. Um... Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Fond memories. It's my favorite console to this date. So what? Let's uh, let's now go from all the way from the past and bring it all the way to the future because doing things out of order is very unconventional. And here, mm-hmm. um. <laughs> What, at what point does unconventional become conventional? At, like, what point do you just start saying that's normal? Um, <laughs> I just, man, when everyone starts accepting it and normalizing it into their lives. I, <coughs> yeah, so. so <coughs> don't die on us. You can't do that. Apologize, Not apologize. yet. You have to I'm finish good, at I'm, least I'm the good. episode. I got you. I got you. I'm good. I'm good. I'll be, I'll be all right. <laughs> um. Didn't you guys know coughs were transferable through microphones? <laughs> oh my gosh, how un- that's an unconventional weapon. <laughs> no, um, so going forward, you 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 you've helped pioneer this community for the fighting and for the fighting community and whatnot. And what are the future plans for? Let's let's start off small and say for your community, for uh-huh. your local community, not not. I guess the dojo might be your community for your stream because I don't know that you have like a yes, Discord. So no, that does it. This it's one of the so things. so so. What are your plans? Like anything that you can say uh, for us going forward? Like, where are some things that you'd like to start doing, or you've thought about doing, or uh, are you talking about for myself as a streamer, or like uh, like Let, let's start for, for as a streamer for yourself. Um. As a streamer, I know my my next like my next. So I had you know uh, with building this community, I I know I can leave it in good hands if I ever. I, I feel like I can leave it in in the hands of like uh, the people I trust um, to at least make sure it's it's like remains and thrives the same way that I I, I like it, it's almost like it kept intact the way I, I left it. But um, at least currently, uh, I'm. Trying to focus more based on everybody's feedback, including some some of the notable pros out there in the Tekken community. Uh, I'm trying to focus more on trying to either be like hosting events or run events as a commentator, uh, because everybody has given me like the same consistent feedback where they say that my energy and then my ability to hype things up um, makes me like an like an immediately impactful. Um, uh, commentary kind of guy. So I'm focusing more of my time and efforts trying to promote or run events either on my channel or to or or helping others promote their events and run their mm-hmm. events and, and deliver my because I that's where that's where the best value I have lies. Um, that's where I've had a lot of success uh, in recently. So that's what I've been focusing more on. Uh, transitioning from someone that just plays a game for fun and tries to help others out into actually delivering uh, a dope entertainment package, entertainment product that everybody can be immersed in, everybody can enjoy themselves in. Because I have some ideas that I think, uh, like our games community is kind of missing, that I think um, I'm able to uh, deliver. 
uh, if I had the right opportunities uh, for myself to do so. So that's what I'm uh, pushing more forwards to. So like, for example, I'm like going, uh, now I'm going offline, supporting my locals to do some more offline commentary and yeah. get experience with the offline environment. Uh, so that maybe one of these days I can travel to a major and get the opportunity to commentate on the, you know, on the major, you know, major tournament uh, event. And yeah, hopefully and whatever and whatever kind of exposure well, I get, hopefully it benefits either me or like the scrubbing community. And again, yeah, yeah. So that's so, the immediate future, at least. <laughs> yeah. So you want to <coughs> see? Uh, sorry, man. I didn't mean to transfer it. I didn't mean to transfer it. <laughs> Oh joy! I don't know what you did. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, God, those coughs. <laughs> it's okay. It's all right. I'm I'm here. I'll be here for you. That's a lie. He's lying. <laughs> no, you, you guys heard it here first, though. He's selling himself. If uh, you guys have any events you'd like him to shoutcast, he'll shoutcast them for no. But, um... <laughs> <laughs> well, it's gotta be something I know about, right? Tekken is the only <laughs> game I know. No, I want to throw you in Overwatch and then let you just like go on it. Like, like, come on, let's let's throw you into some Overwatch shoutcasting and see how it goes. I could do it, but I think they got a good handle on it. Like, I don't think I could handle StarCraft, for example, because that is, that space is well established, uh, you know. So, um, but yeah, I could always be down to try it out. But it's whatever. <laughs> I know, um, I know, like I know my space, so I'd rather not uh, branch out. Unless I absolutely am desperate for viewership or numbers or something like that, and I'm not, I'm are very you, very happy content. Are you going to branch out to other fighting games? I tried. We try actually based on the feedback of our scrimmage community, we tried to expand to Soul Calibur Six, but there is a lot of problems with the online components of the game, and there ultimately there was no interest, including for myself. I just I just um. I just and I decided no, I'm not really interested in trying out any other fighting games. I already spent so much time and energy into developing myself into the Tekken space that it doesn't really make much logistical sense for me to expand to other fighting games unless there's a huge demand. Unless I can tell there's a, there's a nice demand. I might play some other fighting games on the side just to try it out for fun, but I don't think I'd be really interested um, unless something really interests me. Like unless there was like a like a direct competitor to Tekken as a 3D fighting game that's not Dead or Alive, I don't think Dead or Alive would be considered a true competitor to Tekken. Um, uh, I I always considered Soul no. Calibur a, a direct competitor to Tekken. Like I, even though I, they're weapons-based fighting games, I don't know. I mean, it's made by the same company. I don't know. Is it? Am I that yeah, dull? Like am I that am I that ignorant yeah. to the fact that they're? <laughs> Yeah, it's made by the same. It's made by Ben Bandai Namco. Harada, uh, Tetsuhiro Harada, actually did some consulting on on that game uh, for Soul Calibur Six. So, um, it's just like Soul Calibur Six is always seen as like uh, having like a smaller fan base, a smaller audience base from a competitive standpoint compared to Tekken's community. Um, and like I said, they they're online. See, I always thought issues. it was the other way around growing up for some reason. That and Street Fighter. I always thought Soul Calibur and Street Fighter were like the two bigger ones, and then Tekken was like the younger, like, like not many people. Of... Yeah, like didn't really get much attention, you know. Well, I think. Well, I think if you look at it, depends on if you're looking at it from a casual perspective or from a competitive perspective. I think you'd be you're pretty much right. Uh, the competitive scenes for uh, for Soul Calibur and oh yeah, go ahead, Kathy. No. Nuts. Sorry, I I, no, I had fine. to 
stop my cat from going into somewhere because I have it opened and I'm not gonna open it again if she gets stuck in there. So <laughs> that's fine. No, that's fine. That's all good. But uh, just to just go back on the prior point. Um, yeah, I guess it depends on if you're looking from a casual perspective or a competitive perspective. I mean, fighting games in general didn't really have much interest for most folks, right? Until relatively these past couple of years. Um, See, I always, I, think... I, I, I would say that fighting games are kind of what helped bring, like, platformers and fighting games are what brought consoles and, you know, arcades and stuff to, like, a peak. But I feel like that's just me personally. Maybe that's because I grew up around Mortal Kombat and things like that. I think that's fair. But... I mean, think of think of Smash. Think of the impact, the cultural impact that uh, Smash Brothers had uh, with Nintendo's own Smash fighting. I mean, I don't know if they could. I don't know if you consider it a fighting game or not. But most I, mean, I consider it a fighting game. It... Have you seen how co yeah. intense those things get? Like, I'm pretty sure I could play a fighting game way easier than I can Smash. <laughs> yeah. So, like, I think the cultural phenomenon that fighting game had to help bring people together for the fun of it. I mean, just from a casual person's perspective, um, you know. I think it, it really can't be denied uh, on that front. So, uh, but that's a, that's an interesting point. I don't know. Like I said, I'm I'm too new to the fighting games community to really make a proper. I feel like I feel like from my personal perspective to make a proper opinion on what was more popular in terms of the competitive space, uh, mm -hmm. as far as fighting games are concerned. But I think for sure, like Dead or Alive wasn't really as popular compared to Tekken or Soul Calibur as far as 3D oh, yeah, fighting no. games goes. Same could be said for Virtua Fighter. Like for sure, I think most people could probably consensus agree. Um, what game? Uh, Virtua Fighter. But that's kind of my point right there. I I'd yeah, never heard so. of it, so I mean, but oh my gosh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so that game's dead. That game's dead. I mean, that nice series. That's my Sega too, by the way. <laughs> yeah, man. So Sega's really hitting it home. Like I know, right? <laughs> yeah. So there's this new fighting game that came out recently that has a whole bunch of like anime characters in it. Um. Have you looked into it? I can't remember the name. Come on, Uness, Under Night, something, something, oh. Under Night in in the sky. I don't know what the. I, I wanted to say it was like Super something or another. Uh, I was just curious if he had seen it. Uh, and... There's there's a Samurai Showdown coming up soon. Uh, I don't know. If that's the same thing you're thinking about. Maybe. Is it a weapons based fighting game or like purely anime? Like. I I think it was gonna have like My Hero Academia <laughs> or something like that as well. Um, okay. Hold on. I know there was some to... under night. Okay, that's fine. I don't, I remember there was some under night in birth, like some some title with a weird anime like title. Um, I don't have really real experience with anime fighting games, uh, unfortunately. So uh, so would you say that you're you're um you prefer the three D fighting games over like pure two D space? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, especially because like. Because I had a Dreamcast 2, I remember getting exposed to Dead or Alive as my first real, like, 3D fighting game. And, like, that game was, like, 60 frames, and you could walk around. You could run around in the 360 plane. Like, you could, it was, like, way ahead of its time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, considering. So, like, you know, I just – it just made more sense to me as a guy, as a, as a kid, where I was, like, I remember how dope those fighting games, type of fighting games were. And, like, the two – and not having, like, any real 2D experience was just, like – it felt like a downgrade every single time. And I'm purely speaking as a casual point of view. I don't, I just don't, I don't get, I don't find it much appealing to play a 2D based fighting game as much as 3D based. Yeah, so I'm mostly 3D based fighting games do you, kind of guy. Do you think that you would have a challenging time going to a 2D fighting game? Because so actually, you can't when, use when, the 3D plane. 
Actually, I feel like because I came from Tekken, and most people that have experienced playing Tekken say it's like one of the hardest fighting games to learn. Um, but actually, like based on my short time, short locals experience, and I've gone offline playing other like old school fighting games like Street Fighter, uh, Third Strike, and mm -hmm. you know picking up Ken or picking up Akuma or picking up Ryu, uh, I was actually doing pretty darn well. Um, you know, and because they they those games at least had like a backdash in it. That's yeah. a lot easier to do than like an actual Tekken, and I was actually winning a lot of my games a lot, and I was doing pretty decent considering I don't really know the fancy <laughs> inputs, the motion inputs those 2D fighting games have, like Mortal Kombat or whatnot. Yeah. Um, actually, I felt like my fundamentals were pretty on point, um, considering. Now, uh, I didn't find a transition too too difficult, but to be fair, I feel like those games like Street Fighter are a lot more accessible for someone like me, uh, than say like like an anime fighter type of game. Uh, where the controls and the designs and the whole gameplay is like fundamentally different uh, in what you're trying to accomplish. Yeah. Especially when you have things like uh, like shield breakers, you can break out of the combos, you can do all that cool stuff. Um, so, I do know for, for a fact, I do not like fighting games where I do infinite juggles, like a lot of long winding combos, juggles, like Marvel versus Capcom. I, I, I understand the impact those guys, those games have, I respect the impact those games have had in the fighting games community, I just, it's not, it's not for me, personally. I think that's where, like, so, Budokai Tenkaichi, like, the Dragon Ball Z fighting games, I think that's where they started to lose some of the players is when they started adding in these chain combos. And I think okay. they had a good way to deal with it because they allowed you to counter the combos based upon, like, you know, a combination of buttons, like, quick yeah, press, I think. Yeah, which, yeah which... I remember seeing something about that. Was that with Tenkaichi 2? I think they introduced it in Tenkaichi okay. Two or some somewhere okay, around there. Because I remember, I remember the first Budokai. What I remember, um, uh, it's, it didn't have any of those things. It, it didn't even no, have the cel shaded anime graphic, right? So it was one. a pure like two D. I want to say it was a two D three D fighting game in the sense that the characters were three D, but the peop the game was on a two D platform. Mostly two D playing. Gotcha. I'm gotcha. pretty sure. Like I, I could be completely wrong, and that's just because I remember you could fly. Yes. Um, yeah, I remember you, you could fly in the air. Games, so. <clears throat> so that those were interesting aspects. Um, and I think I've played so many fighting games over the years. Uh, obviously, I haven't kept up with them. I went. I, I've transitioned to first-person shooters, like I've said, and I, I. It's always interesting coming back to like fighting games and seeing like how they've changed or how they haven't changed at the same time because you know they right. don't really change much. They really just update the graphics. Um, they, yeah, they add in like different timings also, and maybe a new combo skill set per character. Yeah, or Tekken. Tekken was very smart in only introducing major new features, like a little bit at a time. Uh, like mm -hmm. the, I think the the real major changes they did with Tekken Seven, or well, real major, major additions, were adding allowing yourself to use a super do, when you already had rage, and they already had the rage system. Which increases mm -hmm. your damage potential as you lose more life in Tekken way back at like what Tekken six or so, so like you know they had that rage feature for a long time, but they never introduced the concept of a super until like two or three games later, which which kind of sense which kind of which kind of um, I think is uh, impressive on Namco's part to not really radically change their three D based fighting game systems as much, but only add on to it where it made sense. Uh, from a gameplay perspective, so they, I think they've evolved a lot over the years, um, very, very slowly. Even though most people don't like um, 
don't like when games slowly update, but a lot of people don't like it when games update too fast and they change the meta or they change the gameplay too much. Um, so, yeah. It's kind of cool to see all these interesting comeback mechanics introduced into the fighting games. Yeah, and I, I think that... <clears throat> Sorry, I thought I was going to have another cough attack. No, that's okay. <laughs> um, you know, it, uh, like you were saying, the rage system, that... I'm pretty sure they had that in like Tech and Tag. Like I'm pretty sure we had something similar to that in Tech and Tag where you would eventually oh, yeah. like you built up maybe maybe I'm hallucinating. I don't know. Things uh, cuz I remember Tech and 4 didn't have any of that stuff. Things um, start to so. mush together. That's all I remember. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, like I'm just like that's yeah, I remember it. I just don't remember when it became a thing, you know? <laughs> yeah. It's kind of interesting now that you're talking about how you transition from fighting game or fighting games to first-person shooter, and you're kind of dabbling into the fighting games, seeing what it's all about. I'm kind of I'm kind of uh, a little surprised that everyone's on battle royale uh, for the for the for, for shooting games in general. I I really wish gun game took off. Uh, remember gun game mode for Counter Strike Source? So so uh, yeah, um, gun games actually in Call of Duty, and it's also in all the other games as well. It's just, oh really? Yeah, it oh, never wow. took off. So, so like That's I think with this man. this new Call of Duty, they they introduced it. Um, and I actually, when I started playing Counter Strike or CS:GO, so Counter Strike GO or whatever the hell yeah. it's called, Global uh, one Offense, source, right? Yeah. Or a, something, whatever the O stands for. Yeah, Global Offensive. Yes. There you go. <laughs> there you go. No, no cat. Stop trying to go in there. Don't leave my cat locked in a closet. <laughs> so, what was I saying? Now I completely forgot. Uh, uh, you're playing CSGO. You're playing CSGO. CSGO, yeah, yeah. And that was actually like one of the game modes I used to like get my PC skill up was yeah. gun game. But then, I, as soon as I realized that I just like I started sitting in corners more often, like mm, when that started happening, then I started playing like you know normal games. So that way, I forced myself to move around. Um, I see. But yeah, I mean, I think gun game is a very interesting idea, and it's basically a battle royale, but you you just continuously come back. Uh, and yeah, like if they were to combine, it's too. The like imagine too. if uh, they combined gun game with an elimination system and i think they did this somewhere i can't remember where oh but yeah like, could you imagine like <laughs> you never really end up at the knife but you would to be able to see someone like what if someone just like hit out the whole time and then like the last person just pistoled them <laughs> right to death <laughs> yeah i mean it's pretty cool man i, I wish because i felt like battle royale there's like it's cool to have the hunger games type of system but I was not expecting every other single game out there to be, um, you know, shooting games out there to be, like, incorporated as well. It's cool to have the mode. Um, For sure. You know. And then Apex Legends actually specifically designed a game around this concept of the Battle Royale. And I'm, I'm not surprised that it really took off uh, using, so, like, an Overwatch-style class-based system to... Well, if you... Have you ever played Titanfall 2 or, like, seen people play it? I played... I, I remember playing a little bit of it, and I remember playing a little bit of Titanfall 1, too, um, as well. Um so uh, so I went back and played Titanfall 2 and I think it's probably one of the most underrated games of its time. 
like yeah. that game should have won. Like it, it should have like that game should have gotten way more praise than it did because it is smooth. It's quick. It's like I I hate to say this because you know it's what Apex is based off of, but it's like Apex, but like in a first person shooter like style game oh, yeah. with giant ass robots. Like who doesn't like giant ass robots? So. Yeah, time, what the Timefall hell? is really cool too. I think it's because it's also because you know it happened to be EA umbrella too. It didn't really help that you know Infinity Ward that we know that was under EA. Just like True. just like being just being associated with EA is kind of toxic for your brand. Yeah, um, that's that's were, very true. But any... I mean, Apex like took off and. <laughs> but EA never necessarily. Well, to be fair, EA never necessarily marketed that game uh, uh, as much as. Too? Yeah. Well, that's because uh, they realized been... that they could, like, I guess, I guess Ninja being, like, getting popular off of Fortnite really helped, first of all, the VR genre. And yeah. then it also helped show that this is the power of streamers. Like, this is what streamers can be used for, for advertising. It's basically, like, helping streamers be, like, we are content creators. Pay us. Influencers. They're not just yeah. simply content creators, but like huge influencers just like well, celebrities, right? So 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 I, I consider content creators in general to be influencers, no matter like okay, how that's small. Fair. That's fair. Because so yeah, that's fair. so I'm gonna tell you a story about a coffee brand. I'm not gonna say the coffee brand <clears throat> but this coffee brand tried to come up and it it got a good following, but they they, they soured their community. And I'll tell you exactly what happened. So they got a lot of these little not little, like we're decent size, you know. We 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 got a decent following, and we we like affiliate status stuff. We like discounts on things. Let's let's not kid yeah. ourselves. So they got a whole bunch of people to become affiliates of their coffee. Some even sponsor, like it was their next tier up, and they okay. would get their own coffee like flavor, um, for the sponsorship ones. So what started out as probably like a group of like. 10 slowly just yeah. like grew into like a group of like a hundred now now take a hundred people who have you know anywhere of the following of like 500 each you got a lot of people there so it yes. that that just shows like the group of like how small influencers or content creators or just creators in general can yeah. be influencers and that that's why i don't really use the term sense. influencers because when i say creators i think anybody who creates something can influence someone because someone is out there like if they put it out there then someone's watching it whether they know it or not okay yes okay yeah i i no 100 i agree now that you um clarified it that makes sense but but yeah so that coffee brand basically like screwed themselves and basically got rid of the affiliates program without telling them and was like behind on orders and yeah it, it was a horrible mess dang so. that's that's unfortunate man yeah never never i feel like you should never piss <laughs> off content creators or like because oh, look, yeah, at, look you... at a lot of the youtube uh, like youtube critics on youtube mm -hmm. like uh what's his name jim ross or not jim ross um jim sterling uh going when those kind of guys that were critiquing like the video games industry or like certain companies seeing like how how bad they run kind of the bad mm -hmm. practices they have uh, when it came to whether it's like certain development practices or certain business practices within, like you don't want to piss those guys off because they, I mean, Valve, I mean, Gabe Newell pissed off Reddit. Uh, I yep. think he said, or they tried to introduce a feature and something, and he was like, you're going to lose a million. I remember he said, like, he, uh, 
you don't want to piss off Reddit because you're going to lose a million uh, in stock values if you do. <laughs> yeah. So like, that actually makes a lot of sense. Yeah. <laughs> I mean. But it's just I mean, it's just funny because like this company that basically built themselves around affiliates just like up and left them. So it's like a kind of a thing to warn new people about. Like, be careful who you affiliate with. Always try the product before you get it. Never sign up for anything before you get the product or try it. And right. and just like make sure you're in good hands because while you might not bring them in 20,000 customers, you're still bringing in at least 10. And Quality, that could yeah. still that could still be the equivalent of like say $400 depending on what those 10 get. Right. You never right know. On. So, yeah. That's why we emphasize more uh they they actually some some marketing uh the marketing space uh, actually has a term for this, uh, for like influencers that have kind of a small follow, like small quote influencers that have kind of a smaller following, but like they know they can at least get more authentic like uh, promotional opportunities or advertising mm-hmm. opportunities because they're not just it's not just simply someone that's like shilling anything they want to make some buck. Um, I think they call it like a micro influencer. So yeah, that's like that's like really valuable nowadays. You also uh, never know who the small people know. Like, ah, exactly. exactly. But like, the small That's people might have a small following, but that be, might be because they don't promote themselves that well. They don't, they don't, you know, like show themselves. But they might know people who are like two million followers, you know, like those types of things. Like, never piss off the small creators. Like, that's the one thing I've learned. Like, like I haven't done it personally, but I've witnessed this in like real life in a similar situation like don't do it it's just not good <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I feel like i understand um and that's something i've kind of learned to try to uh at least be sensitive of especially when you know in our own spaces like you don't even have to be like a product company right you could just be a streamer trying to network with other streamers um and if you're like part of an online gaming community that's somewhat small and a lot of people know each other like it's definitely like double uh, mm-hmm. It actually applies like a hundred times even more. Um, yeah. Especially if you're trying to trying to actually get a livelihood. Thank goodness I'm not trying to get a livelihood um, on Twitch because I don't need it. Um, so like that that makes 100 percent to me. Like, just don't like don't you mean? Know, there's no incentive. There's like no incentive. There's nothing but potential repercussions. Trying yeah. to piss somebody off. <laughs> unless unless like they did something really really controversial or something something really bad that like harmed people. Yeah. No. No. Um, there's a difference between yeah, like. So. Like pissing someone off just because you're an asshole and pissing someone off because they're a dick. Like that's a right. In my eyes, that's two right. different things. Like if they have friends or if they they like retell the story, eventually the truth yeah. will come out and eventually it'll sound horrible. Like without yeah. you having to do anything because you're you tell the truth no matter what, and so yeah. it's just fun. I don't know. So even if you're like even if you're like associated with someone that you know, uh, that might. That might be like a lot of opportunity for yourself. It may not even be in your best interest to associate with them. I mean, the hard reality—that's a harsh reality. But sometimes mm-hmm. it's not in your best interest to associate with certain folks uh, because of things like that. And I've had to—I've had to experience doing that. Uh, much as it pains me, because I don't like—I don't like having to do that. Um, yeah. Just for in the, in, the, in the best interest of either myself or my my communities. Um, you know, we've had, we've had to actually do that, uh, because other people have generated either like some controversy that's not like, that doesn't reflect our values or just, you know, yeah, yeah, so, basically. Yeah. Yeah. 
It doesn't. It, it, yeah. So, so where regretful we, action. Where, like, where did this come from again? What, what were we stemming off of? Um, we were talking about like the power of uh, content creators, like uh, you know, Ninja yes. being like act, having a lot of yeah. power in terms of influence, and we were kind of like talking about your views on how why content creators are just yes, basically yes. influencers. And, so, so know. that's like that's where EA like realized, oh, if we launch the like EA probably brought like had this marketing strategy because if you guys remember, like if anybody who's listening remembers or remembers reading. EA paid like a million dollars to like a few, a million to at least one con, uh, to Ninja, and then like a few like, I mean, shoot, we don't know the exact numbers, but to each of these right. like streamers to promote the game, and to play it, but That's it just cheap. happened to be a good game as well because yeah, so it's cheap too if you think about it. That advertising strategy is a lot more cheaper than uh, trying to promote, trying to pay for like. A certain amount of minutes or hours to be like a promoted tweet on Twitter, trying to oh, be yeah. like a promoted ad on YouTube, because you know all these different platforms they're trying to get a huge cut, but going directly to the actual influencer, the content creator, and just you know coming up with an agreement saying like you will actually stream this game and uh, commentate on it, whatever you need to do for this amount of hours is actually is actually much more cheaper and less like less of a pain. I feel like. It's kind of smart. We've actually seen – I've actually personally seen some esports organizations try to get their own name out, not just simply try trying to sponsor pro players that have a lot of good results at tournaments, but also try to uh, even do simple things like uh, make their make their uh, organization staff known, like notable people in their staff known through simple subscribing, like, like either a Twitch mm -hmm. Prime sub or Tier 1 subs on notable streamers in the communities and then now suddenly people will know like oh that's that guy from that yeah that's like the real deal oh that's the ceo of this esports organization and it's cheap it's cheap to subscribe to someone and get your alerts that alerts your name out rather and that's than why i think like a, a lot of the big streamers like kind of like start turning it off at a certain point like once you hit like a certain point i think a lot of people like they turn off like the hosting for sure i mean they still yeah put up the sounds and stuff and for especially the people who are you know following and subbing and things but at some point yeah. you're eventually gonna have to take away those yeah things, especially you know? if you had too much yeah but for most small streamers it's pretty darn good uh relatively small mm -hmm. streamers i'm thinking i'm thinking like if you're, if you're and for our definition i'm saying like if you're like 100 viewers or less it's like oh yeah you know, i mean for sure if you if you are trying to build up your following and build up your viewing go to some of the bigger streamers not like super big go to like you know just like people who have like 50 followers or you know like not followers but like 50 viewers all the time like constantly yeah you know like give them a follow give them a host give them a raid get to know their community and i'm not saying like this is like it is a legitimate strategy like i, I hate to say it because it yeah, it's just makes you networking. sound yeah it's it makes you sound fake but like be genuine like find people you like that are around those ranges be part of their community be nice be it helps it pays like yeah, and that's if, that's technically uh, – uh, go ahead. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. Go ahead. No, no, like if you actually have your brand as an LLC or, you know, like some type of like company or you, you have it actually incorporated, go ahead and like write off like $100 a month or something, $200 a month to like subscribers and to, you know, like try to like build up it, – it's just marketing. So therefore, you can write it off. That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah, and the cool thing is, uh, I mean, I've you know I've done this quote strategy, but like I've never actually done it to actually like 
uh, try to, you know, trying to get, like, you know, I never actually done it to get, like, uh, you know, just, like, followers or free followers. Yeah, 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 yeah. Not, you know, for, like, I was fortunate in the sense that I, I, I built, I took the time to actually, you know, not only check out someone's stream, but regularly attend it because I actually happen to like those streams. Um, yeah, yeah, no, that's I'm what I mean by being genuine. You're not just, like, popping yeah. in for five seconds and going, hey, and then you just leave. Yeah. Like, there's a couple streams I do that to, and that's mainly because I'm, like, trying to catch a lot of people. They just happen yeah, to stream if, at the same time, and it sucks. If so you're someone I, that's, like, busy and don't have a lot of time, and you can only lurk. Like, usually I'll just say, hey, I'm going to lurk here. I'm going to leave a tab open. What's up, y'all? You know, just just, 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 just at least count it as a free view for them. Like, you know, um, that's just that's just what I want to do. I want to support the community uh, in any way I can, because the community has benefited me uh, personally, so... Um, and in, in return, people have reciprocated when when they have actually taken the time to check me out, and I, and I'm kind of actually surprised because like uh, I never have actually like promoted my own streams, um, like either like on other people's discords or on other like uh, Twitch communities because like most mo how I got myself more known and established is through word of mouth, uh, and through my reputation. Uh, so. You know, we have a golden like, boy here, guys. We have a golden boy. You know, Watch out. no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> so I think it also helps, like, if you're someone that has professional work experience. I think this is really important because I think every for someone that has professional work and you know what you're, it's you're like, to you're be like, in meetings, you're cutting in and out, and I oh, can't tell if it's Discord. Or it's Discord. Whatnot. It's Discord because my voice says it's like full bars. Yeah, um, I, can you I hear me now? Get... Yeah, yeah, you're good. What's What's the last thing you hear me say? Um, no, you're just, like, during your whole sentence of, you know, like, it, you think that streamers something, something. Oh, yeah. I think streamers should should uh, be able to at least be conscious of this. Like, if you have professional work experience, like, you're meeting with people, you know how to operate in a team meeting, or you know how to casually meet with coworkers that, uh, that might have other interests or whatnot, or, like, you're meeting with coworkers or peers that are from other companies that you happen to network connect with it's a very similar process like uh to what you're doing with streaming too so like so what he's saying like, is you ways. do it at like 7 p.m at night at a bar and you buy a couple oh of guys no, i'm just kidding <laughs> i mean you could i mean you could do that at the discord like if you're doing discord <laughs> why not like I'm you know kidding. some people some people I, I'm, I'm actually glad you brought that up because some people have actually you know when they see me on all these other Twitch streams, they're like, dude, that's that legendary viewer. Cause my gimmick is like all about like calling someone a legend. Cause like there's someone notable or I think that's someone that you should pay attention to when mm. I call someone the legendary blah, 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 uh, this person or like the legendary, you know, uh, Kazuya player or this who plays this like dope character. That's someone for the rest of the chat. That's someone to pay attention to. Cause I'm clearly hyping them up for a good reason compared to everyone else. Well, most people turn it around and they're like, Hey, that's that legendary viewer that I see. Second streams, average video game Joe. Um, you know, that actually builds your that's actually one way to build your reputation when they know that you're someone that's actually hanging yeah. around and you're participating, engaging with uh, all these other dope streams. They word gets around, word gets around. You start becoming a notable uh name, a recognizable presence, uh, you know, especially when and, and especially when streamers are acknowledging you, right? Yeah. Um, when streamers are acknowledging you and you're interacting with them, giving them a good time, or like even when you get moderated. If you become a mod moderator at one person's stream, you know the the idea is not to get get like host or whatnot for them. It's it's brand recognition. Brand recognition of your name is to me a lot more important than simply just getting viewers and whatnot. You have to look at the long term. You know. Yes. What kind of name you're making yourself? So, yeah. 
that's based on my um, personal experiences with my streams too. Because I want to help. I I try to help everyone else by giving too. Whenever they've asked me, like, how did you get your start? How did you get this? And there you go. That's that's one way. I mean, to be honest, it's kind of like what you were talking about, how Valve could lose millions of dollars if they pissed off Reddit. I mean, you technically got your start through Reddit, like, in a sense. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, so... you're right, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're absolutely right. And man, Reddit's a tough crowd. But, but you, you went and you what? took the time to answer to posts and stuff, and to, to be honest, like, that's actually a very good yeah, strategy. Yeah, like, So I yeah. tried to do that when I was creating an icon pack for Android, and it it worked like it was a good strategy i just didn't have the time to like sit down and answer everyone because i got home from work i hung out with like i was in a serious relationship so i basically like hung out with my girlfriend at the time and then like okay i see and then i would go to work well thankfully at work i had the time to actually like work on the icon pack while i was learning my work um that's a different story and yeah uh, that's fair that's I'm not saying I do that regularly at my current job because I don't really like I actually take my job serious more serious now as an older professional. Um yeah. but back in you the, get you get yeah. Back in the day I I uh, worked at a company that was a telecommunications company and they they hired me at a time when they had to focus like a lot of their resources. So I had a lot of free time, even though I was there. Uh, like I, I, I learned what they wanted me to learn, but I could only go as fast as they were able to teach me. So okay, I was fair. able to work on the icon pack like during my free time there, or during my free time like in the mornings at home, and I didn't really have time to like answer many people like I tried to. But but look, I, at, I, I actually appreciate what you just said because a lot of people who are trying to get into the streaming needs to listen to stories like yours because look how much you actually grinded too. Like you were hustling. That's like a good yeah, example it, of just hustling when you're just I, you're you're using your free time to like actually do this other side projects on the side that's like relevant to your uh, side hobbies and interests and passions, right? And, and so that's what I was doing with my free time a lot. So I just I want to put that out there though, but the the one thing that always discourages me are numbers, and so it's really hard to mm. be focused on the numbers without focusing on the numbers, if that makes sense. No, I understand. I remember uh, I I recently actually set my streaming setup up to where to where I don't even look I don't even see the viewership numbers unless I get a host or something, right? Because I don't yeah. know who's like I don't know how many, how much host I'm getting unless I hear the notification on numbers. But I, I, uh, I never really focus on the numbers. Numbers. Yeah, um, like when you're starting out, I know it's like really you really want to look at um you really want to look at that number go up, but sometimes it's actually not always good to have your numbers increasing because you want you can't handle all the growth if you get suddenly like on the front page right it's like a lot of pressure you want to organically build your you want to take a slow growth approach and organically build it even if it's just like even if you only have one person that's like constantly engaging if they're regularly coming in and they're being they're enjoying themselves with you that you should be getting a lot of satisfaction for that because that means there's actually you're, you're at least there's someone uh, that wants to look at you like watch you yeah and like you, you don't yeah yeah absolutely so like you know when when you you don't you, yeah you can't focus too much on the numbers that's why i i said in the last podcast we uh, I, I would encourage more streamers to focus more on quality viewership rather than strictly look at the numbers because like unless you're gonna get like front page all the time and unless you're <laughs> gonna get uh, huge hosts all the time yeah. uh by multiple streamers that that can help give you like a, an additional signal boost you're not gonna get it. don't don't expect to get partnered like manage your expectations in that sense but build your you know 
have fun with the with the viewers that are taking the time to check you out, and because you are offering them something of great value, because otherwise they wouldn't be coming around, right? So, yeah. And, so, yeah. I mean that that's actually like I can't really say it any different because you can only say something so many times before it's super yeah. repetitive. Because I'd rather have ten or fifteen viewers than have like one hundred fifty. If I know those ten, fifteen viewers are highly engaged, highly uh, active, and and they are all enjoying themselves, they want to. And, that, and they they feel like they're having a good time, and I and I'm enjoying hang, hanging out with them. That's how I that's how I've always seen. It. For me, it's an honor to be hanging out with these cool people that are taking the time out of their lives and schedule to come hang out with me. That's how that's how I focus my mentality on. So even if I just have only like a couple of people come again, like it's always a cool. I'm streaming for myself. Uh, that's yeah. why I, I guess I guess if you're streaming full time and you're trying to make it a full time. Your expectations are a little bit different, but you still have to have like an authentic, genuine approach to it, and you know, you don't want to. You don't want to be desperate. Don't ever so come off I'm as desperate. I'm probably, or... I'm probably like one of the few people that will say this, but don't accept your Twitch affiliate without thinking about it first. Think long and hard mm-hmm. about it because if you don't like, so one thing that is very prevalent is I see people that have accepted it and they still multi-stream. You can't multi-stream. Oh yeah, that's no no. Yeah, that's you cannot multi-stream when you're an affiliate on Twitch. You will get banned. And yeah, you 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 can't even repeal it. You can't even. So that that means like like you can't like so. There's Facebook gaming, which obviously isn't big, but think about how many friends you have on Facebook. Like, think about the numbers you can pull in from Facebook. Think about like the amount of people that you might have over on like say mixer that you're missing out on like so these were things that i didn't think about when i became affiliate and yes it's a great stepping stone but i still don't see where the gap fills between affiliate and partner because of the huge gap that's there and yeah and the glad the gas somewhat closing too nowadays like i remember they just introduced uh like a like a third slot or tier one sub emotes if you're an affiliate yeah yeah well, kind of yeah so like it's very subtle it's very, it, very subtle but there's it's a lot subtle but at the same time they still want you to get 70 viewers to get to partnership but yet you hit those other two tick marks it's only three things you have to get to be qualified for partnership right right eligible yeah and uh it's like stream a certain amount of times during a month uh then get yourself a certain number of followers and the follower the followers is not that much it's kind of actually a huge discrepancy that, that's what i'm saying is like the biggest thing between you and like a partner is 70 views 70 consistent yeah, viewers you know and, you know what's interesting uh my channel uh they usually i used to hear that um like if your channel is like a recommended channel like on the recommended mm-hmm. uh recommended recommended uh, discovery on the, on mm-hmm. the left side when you're on the twitch main page that's actually like a really quick apparently that, that allegedly that's a quick easy way to get um viewership boost numbers like boosted numbers and yeah. but from, i've i've had multiple recommended like my channel has been recommended so many times, not only for my own self, but like for other for other folks, and it doesn't have as much of an impact. The discoverability and, and tags, um, you it's you're better off making sure you're tagging your streams right. Uh, like you know, if you're playing a fighting game, make sure it says FGC as a tag, because like a lot of mm-hmm. people be checking out FGC tags. Like that's the other thing that I, I see streamers like a lot of new streamers trying to who are struggling or who have been at it for a while that are struggling. They're not really leveraging the maximum potential of the platform. That they have uh that the twitch offers to them um so you got to be able to use all that stuff to make sure you're maximizing your exposure and, and stuff like that 
but not it, that's no guarantee that is absolutely zero guarantee um to get anything but the viewer, the viewerships are definitely really that's why i say the viewership numbers it's like it's not really practical if you're starting out so that's mm -hmm. why quality yeah always focus on quality and making the people who are there happy because exactly otherwise it just doesn't work and when you're looking for Pretty a much. mod here's another thing when you're looking for a mod look for a mod that interacts with your chat and helps you retain the people that are coming to your chat because you might be focused on something while gaming Mm -hmm. that's what you need to yeah. focus on <laughs> like i've had a, like, i've had i've i think like with the exception of one 99 of all the mod making decisions i made were turned out very very awesome uh mm -hmm. so like i i i look into and i don't see someone it's like okay what well, is it someone that's just gonna look at if chat's being toxic no i want someone to help me actually because my my stream is often viewed as a quote community-based stream it's for the community and it's try to it's mostly run by a community of people that are working together to make it yeah. beneficial for everyone involved, right? So uh, when I'm focusing on a game or what I'm teaching about a concept, I might expect a moderator to either link a resource if they hear me say something that we have a topic covered, or if I try to shill someone or shout out someone, another streamer, you know, I expect a moderator to do the shout outs for me when I'm, when I'm busy, like, doing my thing. And it helps – it actually makes life so much easier. When you're growing at a point where you actually get like that kind of mods that are moderators that are taking it, that are helping you run your streams, like they they are also. On... It's almost like having your own production team. It's like it's like yeah, you're having your own also, team. Also, there's also this uh, etiquette behind mods that you want to make sure you ask a, a mod if it's okay to mod, not just give a mod a mod. Does that make sense? Yeah. <laughs> so for the, I think for the most part, if there's someone that's like a regular. Um, and you, yeah, yeah. You, as long as you manage the expectations, they won't necessarily, from my personal experience, they won't necessarily care if they don't have to do anything else, right? I yeah. usually only ask if they're willing to do like these other stuff if, to help me with the streams. But like just being a mod uh, is actually a good way to, for me, before the introduction of the VIP tag, like the VIP mm -hmm. role. I don't know if you know about that. Can they have a yeah, new I role? Do. That's yeah. So like uh, before the VIP roles, odd role one way to recognize the uh recognize or at least show your appreciation for that person that stuck with you for a long time or was a regular and that was supporting you for a long time and Agreed. you know but but now vips are like the next best thing for that so you can actually recognize your regular not uh -huh. the vip tag but unfortunately the problem is with the vip tag is you only have like a limited amount so like maybe like 30 40. yeah you have a, you have a very very limited amount and you get more as you get more sub points um, but, um, it's a very limited amount. So like when you run out of VIPs, you got to DVIP someone or you got to mod some, you gotta, you gotta make someone a mod. So, um, I've never, I, I don't hit that. Cap, so. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. So that's just a heads up for everyone out there. VIPs are very, like, that's, that's another example of, uh, cause that's what Twitch designed that little role for It's to help you recognize your awesome, like community members that are regulars and that are helping out with the or that are helping making the community an engaging thing that's your that's that's their way for to help you show your appreciation for those guys um and you don't really have to ask the etiquette that has been established for sure for the vips you don't have to ask people to be vip yeah there's no, no moderation vip powers. is more of like a gift it's like a, a status yeah. it's not a yeah it's not it's a responsibility social... whereas mod is more responsibility based so yeah that's pretty much it um I was trying to think if we had any extra topics about like you know obviously we wanted to we wanted to do some more 
deep diving into the fighting community and stuff but we wanted to do that in a group setting so i was curious do you have any topics that are dear to you that you wanted to talk about before we start wrapping things up over here hmm man i don't actually i mean we've covered a lot in today's episode like this has been a very packed filled episode ain't it um yeah this is a toughie because uh, I feel like if I if I had known that it was gonna be a question, I would be able to get I would be able to confidently tell you. Um, <laughs> so I'm sure once I have more time to think about it, but um, I think an interesting topic would pro- that would probably be of interest of uh, for everyone is like the topic of community building. Um, how like like the the struggles of building a community, the you know the opportunities that are afforded to build when you have a community built. I don't mean just for streamers. I mean just like in general for online, online base, whether it's mm-hmm. like an offline community or an online communities. I think it's really, really important to be talking about what is it, what does it take to build a community that is meant to accomplish something, and how to leverage it for either yourself or for the rest of everyone else that's using the community for their own benefits. I think it's something that's not really talked about because, um, and I think it's something really important to talk about because there's a huge problem when it comes to online communities still to this day across so many gaming communities where it's still a hugely like big toxic environment for a majority of the population for normal people like myself that just want to just chill out hang out with some decent folks and not feel like I had to deal with not you're um, clipping have, again. I, just, I don't know oh, what sorry. it is <laughs> uh, what was the last thing I said uh, you just kept like it. You would spike and it would clip off like tops of your words. So I, I'm not quite sure, like okay, how I'll much of it. Myself. So like, uh, I think that the most important topic that I feel interesting to talk about is the concept of what it takes to build a community, uh, mm-hmm. especially like an online community, because I feel like one of the biggest problems that so many uh, companies, uh, especially gaming companies, are trying to figure out, including um, whether streamers that are trying to figure out their own trying to build their own communities is like dealing with all the toxicity associated with uh this online with with online uh communities in general because i think there's a lot of opportunities to be afforded to you when you learn how to build a community for either yourself or other people but i also think it's, it's there's a lot of challenges that aren't really talked about that i feel like people should know especially as someone that has done my best to build my own communities um especially when you're leveraging it when you're trying to build communities on certain platforms whether it's twitch or discord that i think people should be aware about i think that would be an interesting topic to talk about because it kind of goes in yeah well yeah let's let's dive into that real quick because we got we can do a little bit more time on this episode and um i know that we can't touch every topic about it because community building is so big it's so broad right uh, right. but let's jump into like because I know from modding communities and having two of my own, um, you have different types of communities, right? You have your close friend communities, the ones where everybody's really close, so they don't really care about bringing people in. And then you have the ones right. that you're trying to build for your brand. And then you have ones that are trying to – like it, it's kind of a weird overlap because the one that you build for your brand or the one that you, you build for other people kind of like intertwine at some point because you're yes, like, absolutely. well, I want everybody in here. But at the same time, it's like – this is for this. Yes. <laughs> Sorry about bless that. You. No, bless you. Bless um, you. Um, so you, you have this this 
thing where people are like, well, I have this giant community for me personally, which is awesome, but you have to remember that not everybody wants to be a part of a bigger community other than there for you. So, like, say yes. that you're building another community for gaming and everybody alike like that. You you bring yeah. them in there, right? And this is where the challenge becomes is because you get so many different personalities and toxicities that may not yes. grow well. So what are some of the struggles that you had, like, maintaining gonna, that balance? Oh, yeah. I, I need to – I yeah, I think definitely because, like, this is actually the most stressful thing in my personal experience when it when it came to building my Twitch and building my platform, building my brand was trying to manage a community. And I took a very, very different approach uh, compared to most other streamers. I, I tried to actually – make it transparent in the sense that I actually tried to work with a couple of people that were like invested into what either I was about or what my community was about and mm -hmm. tried to actually help manage the growth of the community, manage how the community would operate, manage how people would, you know, operate under the community themselves in terms of moderations and whatnot. And the, the biggest, the biggest uh, problem that I initially uh, had was I had someone that was that was a former teammate, and unfortunately, he he's banned now. He's he's been completely banned because he had a completely different like vision that was completely different from mine. Even though my vision took priority because I'm the streamer and I got to do what's comfortable for me, and yeah. you know my boundaries were always pushed. Like for example, this particular member would would wanted wanted to encourage the idea of using say the N word. Like not the hard art, but just the N word in general, yeah, because yeah, yeah. you know everyone. Because apparently everyone that says it online, it's cool, but uh, it went directly in conflict with me, who is partnered with organizations where it's predominantly, um, you know, African American or, or you know, black members, right? And and so you know that's a huge conflict for someone like me who does not want to. Uh, and remember, I I think I said it in the last podcast, but I don't like swearing. Um, yeah. 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 And, a lot of I remember at one point, you know, even my some of my own one of my own teammates had a huge issue with me not wanting to allow cursing willy nilly uh, when you're trying to make a point in our public channels, even though I said it was okay for to, to for like all our private channels when we're talking privately or discussing privately uh, that you could swear and curse away because it's not affecting the public brand and because we because my community is a little bit unique in that. The people that help run it, myself included, and the, the skilled coaches, uh, mm -hmm. we try to be positive role models because one of the problems that a lot of online communities have in the gaming space is that a lot of people can't control their salt, right? They get so salty that they're just, they'll just say whatever they want, and then yep. the cursing, we, from my personal experience, because I used to get really salty, like low-tier god style, uh, I would rage sometimes, uh, was that when you're using a lot of negative language, it lends credits to making yourself more emotional and getting even more tilted, even emotionally. It, it also more, shows like, like it also shows like people who are watching you that that's okay to do. Like, yeah, and if you're, and it's like well, normal. Like, right? I actually so, tried this no cussing thing by the way today. Yeah, and I like I messed just, up I on do. like a few things while I was. So I I was drawing today on stream and and I was trying to I don't know I was getting something done. And like I couldn't do something, or I was just getting frustrated. And I just said like, slit. I was just like, "Fuck, fuck!" <laughs> like I was like, like I didn't say it like twice. I just like said it once, and then like I was like, "Crap, this is harder than it looks." Because like there were a couple yeah. times where I like said it in my head, and I had already stopped myself. And then, 
Yeah, you know? it's so easy, isn't it? Like, cause yeah. especially since like you're you're a lot of a lot of folks are coming from a lot of a lot of folks are coming from like the Xbox Live gaming era, the Xbox, the or the old arcade days where it was like normal. It was normal to have that kind of negative language around, but. Um, that's, that's like one of the problems I have where I wanted to have a wholesome, positive community that would be like a place where you could, you know, calmly, if not calmly, at least talk much more formally, uh, mm. uh, engage in conversations and talk stuff. But, you know, I would have member, uh, at least one member on my team that would directly like push my own boundaries and just like skirt the rules. And I couldn't even hold that person accountable. And they actually ended up driving a lot of great people away and actually ended up, like, kill, almost killing uh, 90% of activity within my own community uh, through did no fault of my own. Did you, like, go back and, like, try to bring back those people, or did you do anything uh, to try to – So I ended up adding – I ended up adding newer people who I felt like were a better representation of the community that, like, were a lot more conscious and sensitive because they were people who came in initially. Mm -hmm. Rather than have people, ha rather than try to uh, have this one person that helped find my community, hel that helped create my community, since that uh, he was bringing he he was bringing viewers along, just check out my stream because I had the I had the nice you know streaming voice and streaming personality, but um, uh, it 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 was just it it, it just led to more problems in the sense that there would sometimes be conflicts within the team members. So like maybe uh, this one person who doesn't really care about swearing as much is getting on to another person that's trying to do their job as a moderator. You have to also now worry about managing egos and teams. Um, yeah. And if you don't have any experience with that, it gets really, really stressful early on. And basically your community is only as good as the people you trust to help run it. Uh, I guess this is summarize all this. And so um, that's like one of the biggest struggles I had for a while because not even like doing like group interventions discourage the toxicity that I was building up with one of my team members quote one of my team members at the time and so, it ended up blowing up in my face at one point and how, I, had to re I had to yeah go ahead no no I mean that that's actually really good I'm curious though because not not to say th this is slightly off topic but at the same time it's yeah. not so like when you had to I don't want to say discipline. Every time I say discipline someone, I feel like no, no, like it's a, fine. No, disciplining no, it's a child. No, that's, that's but like re reprimand is that the right word? Reprimand. Yeah, reprimand. Re yeah. Reprimand someone. Like, what did you do it directly in the Discord, or did you like DM them, or did you? It would, yeah. So like, my initial methods were when we first started out, and there wasn't there was only a couple of folks. So like, it was easy. They I would say, hey, I don't really like this. Can we not do this? And the person would be okay. But this is this is the correlation here that people might you might you might notice as I started growing as I started taking this Twitch thing and this community building more seriously mm -hmm. and trying to implement my vision morely uh, based on what I was comfortable with um, just like as I started growing more success and I even started having more revenue in like started coming mm -hmm. and having donations started, uh, a lot don't I, forget I to felt do your like, taxes properly. By the way, yeah, but, yeah, well, that, yeah, that's <laughs> yeah, that's good advice though. Very good advice. If you get a W nine form uh, from Twitch themselves, um, you know, you start actually. This is actually, uh, you know, some people that you thought you might have known start changing in ways that, um, like I said, directly conflict with your own core values that might cause you a lot of stress. And so, the number one thing I would probably say is that, um, you know, 
the most stressful thing you could possibly deal with is not trying to get viewers. It's, it's dealing with people, dealing with toxicity, dealing with people. That's the number one stress. And that's the number one stress that I continue to have uh, after – well, in the sense that, like, that's the only thing I worry about compared to mm-hmm. um, anything else because everything else is just a nice task or problem that I can solve. But that's like, um, yeah, so like that's as you start growing, like people start, people may start treating you a little bit differently. People may start testing your boundaries. People like at one point I got, uh, there was a project that I was supposed to have worked on um, that was my idea initially. Um, mm-hmm. But then the, the person was actually manipulating the situation. They were volunteering their times and whatnot. And I was like, okay, well that leads me, I, I, I had a budget for it too. Like I was going to, I was going to throw a budget for it. They said. Oh, no, I'll do it for free. No problem, right? And then a couple months later, when I was looking at all the progress they were making, they stopped working on it. And then the person in the question actually asked, like, hey, you know, I've been working on this for free. I don't, I don't want to work on it anymore. I want to start getting paid for it. And I said, what? That's not, That's what not how that works. That's like a bait and switch situation at that point. <laughs> exactly. And they, they essentially held that project hostage, something that I needed Something that I was starting to rely on because I was beta testing it on my own channels and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Uh, something that I was relying on. And, you know, it wasn't the fact that I had to pay, right? It wasn't the money that was the issue. It's the fact that uh, basically I was starting to be taken advantage of. Um, yeah, they were, you, know, they, you asked to do it, or you were going to do it and they offered to do it. And then, you yeah, know. Yeah, and I was going to have a bunch of, see, they, they lost, from my, from my perspective, uh, like they lost, like they actually lost money because I had a, I had a, I had a nice budget when I was going to actually hire someone like, uh, actually like someone to actually work on it full time. But they ended up just, uh, just taking advantage of the situation that they caused. And I, I, I had to do nothing but take it. And at some point, uh, a couple months later, that person ended up getting kicked off because they were, they were going so far to being so hostile, including me mm-hmm. that, I had to just say I had to finally say with with the advice of my other like awesome team members who were supporting me and who knew what I was going through that I was going through a bad time that I had to just get this toxic person out because they're derailing the entire community they're derailing my Twitch channel even to a point where I don't even want to stream and that's yeah. bad news right if you if you're if someone is causing so much problems for you that you're not even in the mood to stream that's when you need to start drawing lines and i didn't learn that until like too late because like i said i come from mostly a real world where we operate mostly by societal you know professional work environments where if someone's causing you problems they'll get reprimanded there's consequences right and that's the problem with building communities is that i mean sometimes you you gotta make sure that they they get their consequences but yeah yeah especially not too late right but you know this is the dark side of streaming and building communities you start becoming a target when you are the face of the community, when you are the face of your own brand, when you are the face of all this stuff. And behind the scenes, I I, I try to interact with my team, my team members, my volunteers, mm-hmm. uh, folks that that were awesome and helping me out and whatnot. Like I I whenever I interact with them, I talked more formally and professional. Like I would write um, like certain essays or paragraphs to outlay my thoughts because this is like a private safe space for me. Where mm-hmm. I could comfortably talk and outlay my ideas and whatnot that I think could either better serve the community or better serve the Twitch channel and just help everyone out in the long term, not only for myself but for everyone else. Um, so like, but like some people took issue with that in the sense that, oh well, they your your intentions are always questioned, right? Even like even the way you talk sometimes people if people feel slighted they will try to use it against you to a point where oh, they yeah, may yeah. want to hurt you. They may want to hurt you so, to a point where. Yeah. 
so so this will kind of this kind of ties in with what you were saying. I I um I volunteered one time for a community I was in and they they wanted a website. And that's what I do. I I do okay. things like that. And like I said, I don't know if I said this before, but I created a site where you could multi-stream or, you know, not multi-stream, but like have multiple streams up and it could handle itself pretty well. It was actually right. faster than uh, multi-Twitch. Um, okay. Wow. Okay. That's yeah. Cool. No, I, I could handle close to five or more streams on a single page and you would hardly notice the payload on your machine. Wow. That's amazing. So, um. The only thing is you needed the internet bandwidth to be able to withstand that. Yeah, but, that makes sense. you know, Twitch is always iffy about, like, am I getting this view and whatnot and stuff. So, like, you know, that's where the issue started popping up is, like, okay, I, I wrote up, like, a FAQ. Like, this is what you have to do for your views. This is how, like, if you want to use it. The intent was never to be a lurk bot. That's what they turned it right, into. Right, right, right. Oh, that's unfortunate. But that's oh, not where the issue goes. Is okay. I offered to do it. I offered to get them a decent, you know, basic website and even built in some like functionality for contact form to where it didn't even go out to like their email. They could just check it right on the website. They log in, they check it. And okay. Then they like like when I I told them I was like, all right, I'm gonna slow down because it just it was taking a mental toll like with everything. And I was like. Hey, you know, at some point I was like, hey, uh, what, what, what was it? At this time, I was just like, hey, I'm going to stop, like, working on it. You know, it's too much. And then they're like, that's fine. And then find out, like, they then go and try to redo their whole website. Like, they asked me first, and I was like, that's fine. Like, but I don't know what you're going right. to, like, you're going to lose well, this functionality. Right? Yeah, like, yeah, you're going to okay. lose this functionality. Like, so they tested, like, they actually, like, went behind my back and tried, like, building a website. And I'm a person who finds out everything. I don't know how. Right. <laughs> I don't know why. Oh, but I will eventually find out. And right. so I usually know the truth. And they built it. And then they, they, it didn't go anywhere because it was crap. And they, they were going to charge an outrageous amount for it. And then they tried to hire someone else, and I like I recommended someone, and I told them to be weary of the people that I was recommending because they had done certain things to me that I just felt weren't right. Um, okay, that was very professional. That's very professional. Uh, uh, well, they they reached out to this person, and then I warned them. Like I warned the okay, person who was going to do it. I was like, "Hey, watch out! Like this is what they did to me. Here's my whole story." Um, and I was professional okay. about the whole thing. Like you know, I. I, at one point, I had the their website done, but I was waiting on them to provide stuff for me, so it was kind of annoying at that point. Like, okay, you were pressuring me to get something done. Make sure you have your part done. I guess is what I'm saying. Um, yeah. but it kind of like goes with you is like what you're saying is like you know, people will always try to take advantage of you whether you are in the spotlight. That's absolutely another thing is like whether you're in the spotlight or yeah. not. If you're offering something for free they're going to try to twist it in their own way. And let me um, add on something to what you said, uh, Carbs, because I think it's also super important because from my own personal experience dealing with a lot of toxic folks online, a lot of people do not have experience working in a professional work environment. 
So they don't know that when you do even simple things like team meetings, I've had, I've had, I've heard issues where I've heard prob people having problem with me where I just run meetings after I run a tournament because they think it's shady. They think I'm like looking out trying to trying to get like something out of everyone in the sense that, uh, or like I'm trying to I'm trying to use people, or in the sense that like even though most people are like just volunteering their time and ask permission, right? I'm always asking whenever I do stuff like that if you guys are okay with doing like a meeting so I get some feedback. Get yeah. some constructive feedback on what I did wrong or what I did right with running an event so that I can improve upon it for the future. Especially That's since I try to really smart. It's smart. It's super duper smart, right? But guess what? Some other people get like especially with the kind of success I've had with my viewership numbers compared to other content creators that run similar types of events where they don't have the same numbers like I do, but yeah. they've been doing it so much longer than me, who I've tried to learn from, who oh, I yeah, try to know. I I just I I get a so I've been in content creating for a while now, right? And yeah, I I don't I don't see this. I, I I see what you're saying. Yeah, a lot of people do get like they're like they get jealous. They get essentially. weird out. They get they even get weird out. Just, just how you want. Yeah, yeah. Like tell you what, there was even like an amateur. There was one graphics designer I worked with to handle my graphic stuff, like my major graphic stuff for mm -hmm. one tournament. They didn't have any experience doing a contract. I've had experience signing contracts because I come from the real world, you know. So, and I wanted to make sure because I didn't know the so, guy, so I wanted to protect myself, but I also wanted to protect him, and in the sense that you know he'll get paid on time according to the contract deadline, and I'll get my deliverables right. They had he ended up talking so much crap about me behind my back. Uh, I found out, even to a point where he didn't even he said I was super shady for doing a contract with him, even though like it was like one page agreement. All it did was say. <laughs> <laughs> this is the deadline. Like, this is like how much time you have. It's two weeks, three weeks. This is how much you're getting paid. You get a bonus incentive if you if you finish by this date. Uh, this is when the payment is going to be distributed. Uh, Most artists don't even get bonus incentives. What the fuck? Yeah, and now the money wasn't that much, right? But like again, it's like if you don't know the person, I even gave the person, like I gave them the document, not a PDF. I gave them a, a Word document. Say you dictate your rate. Tell me, tell me how much you want to get paid. I'll negotiate with. You. They, oh. You know what they ended up doing? You know what they ended up doing? This, this individual did. They said, oh, I'll, I'll, I'll accept anything. I said, are you sure? Because I'm. it's going to be in my – are you sure you want that? Because I am I try to get this dude advice. Like, you know, other yeah, people – Yeah, you, you were, tried to help them. So quick caveat there. Uh, the art community on Twitch is very hit or miss, and it's very underpaid right now. And I will say yes, that. Absolutely. And absolutely. I, I feel like streamer or the artists on there don't realize that yes, you're trying to get people to pay for your service. Like, yeah, there's a balance, sure. But yeah. at what point are you over commissioning yourself and getting underpaid or are you over paying yourself per commission? And yeah, like you're like you're saying, a lot of them don't do contracts, but it's actually quite common now. Like I'm slowly starting to see more com contracts pop up and i'm starting to see more terms and conditions come up yeah it's what is i notice it's with bigger artists that have done pro that somehow got the opportunities to do art projects with bigger streamers or yeah. partnered streamers so when they when they get because like a, a lot of these cool streamers do give these guys a shout out when they make new emotes and whatnot or people ask like who made that emote right so like uh, you know that's also like the word of mouth that's where murder mouth also works well but like I noticed most established artists on the Twitch platform that also stream too, that have done artwork for other, that have done commissions for other like streamers out there, they have a, they're a lot more 
like you know their value and they know their own value and i see their rates they do give out the premium rates because they know their value uh but a yeah. lot but I, from my personal experience a majority of people don't they don't even do like basic they don't even like do basic things like even like check in or get like or update me on progress they're making i have to sometimes i've had to i've had to ask other hey man what's going on with this because like am i getting my money oh, no, I've, I've had to do that yeah. too and actually like one of the first feelings i did with someone i was like man i should have like set out a timeline and whatnot like to have them give me status updates and whatnot because i realized that yeah. not all artists know that it's going to be like a five-step process i want an update when you finish like the rough sketch i want an update like when you finish the final sketch and then i'll give you my last critique and at that point i yeah. will make no more changes but yeah, if you do so, something wrong, like the only changes I'll make are like color. Like if you, yeah, really mess up on the colors. It's like it's like the so, client's not being strict, right? The client's yeah. not being strict because there's expectations laid out. Well, from tying back to what we were talking about earlier about like the struggles with building communities is like even like in these kind in these kind of contexts, like people had issues with like because you're a target and in these like kind of like with being like the head of these brands and whatnot it's like it they try to affects... kill you before you really like do anything like right sorry exactly and <laughs> here's the thing here's the really really darker side of to people you thought you trust that you would dm sometimes if they even feel remotely slighted don't be surprised if they try to get you banned from other communities or try to ruin mm -hmm. your reputation behind the scenes with other folks uh i remember yeah i remember as soon as i banned like a former teammate that helped run the community he was going around trying to show all sorts of screenshots of private conversations he and I had. Obviously, out of context. I mean, I mean, my team, my other teammates confirmed that I, I, whatever, whatever that was said was like not it was complete. Yeah. Like they, at one point, I was accused of being a transphobic, racist piece of crap, and uh, especially I mean, that's... transphobic. Even though I have, okay, so here's the thing. Even though, and um, I do have a team and they're diverse. I, I focus on diversity because like I understand the value of. How how great having a diverse team is because you have diverse perspectives, and one of our team members happens to be an LGBTQT uh, member, right? And Am I she's that been you with... exposed the L... No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> you you use a community? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> what? No, no, dude, no carbs. There are people that have accused me of saying like, no, I, that's actually scary. You know what's scary? It's it sounds funny right now, right? You know, no, I, no, I, I get it. I... That was what I was accused of. That I was accused of saying, like, at one point, I was accused of saying, like, oh, well, the only reason, well, he's a transphobic. Like, the only so, reason you have yeah, them. It's just because, you know, you want to look good. No, this person has been with me before I even had a Twitch channel. No, you don't know what you're talking about. Like, this, she's been with me, like, one of my... You, you blanked like, out. Like, at the bread. Oh, sorry. So, like, just She's been with you, or whatever. She, she or whatever. She, yeah, she's been with me since before I even had a Twitch channel. Since even, like, as soon as I had a Reddit, that Reddit post for me, uh, like, that's when, that's how long she's been with me since, like, the OGJs, right? It's, like, the beginning. So, like, you know, when, and then she had to actually come out and defend me um, with other communities that I was banned or I was about to get banned at, and it was really, really humiliating. Uh, kind of degrading that. Uh, essentially, I was put on trial. Just because a couple of other they believed that a couple of other folks who were clearly banned from my community was doing this stuff. So like this is an example. This is like the dark side of Twitch streaming that nobody tells you, because you know people will I mean, try to use whatever. To be, to be honest, it's kind of like the dark side of networking. Let's be real. Like that translates okay. to like okay. actual yeah. okay. real world as well. Like okay, let's I, do that. Yeah. So I've I've worked in a company that asks what's in your wallet, and um, <laughs> I don't know if I can say that. 
Anyways, uh, that's fine. That's fine. Well, I, I have admit, worked admit. for certain companies, and while they're amazing companies to work for, don't get me wrong, like they have awesome benefits and whatnot. I was a contractor, yes, but the contracting world in IT is very interesting in the sense that because of what happened at like in 1998 in Microsoft, yes, in Microsoft. Uh, this is like a public trial where contractors actually sued Microsoft for benefits of actual employees because they were, they stated like we worked the same hours and whatnot like that. Anyways, so wrapping that all up, you you have these these places where you know you work in a professional environment, but like for the place that I worked at, they hired people right out of college. So you have people coming right out of college, bringing that click mentality, bringing all these like these these. I'm going to call them immature traits that shouldn't be okay, used. Okay, sure, sure, because sure, even, no, sure, 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 sure. Even as, like, I've seen it. adults, I still, like, have to, like, deal, like, I've seen people have to deal with, like, getting talked down, like, getting undervalued. So someone I know, mm, yeah. once, while under a certain management, they were going to hit high marks for their evaluation, right? Like, super high marks. And then that person leaves and someone comes in like a month before or two months before the evaluation and the like two people on the team talk that person down and wow the man. So this is how good they were though. They were so good at their job. Nobody could tell the, tell someone what that person did because it just operated that well. Like that's like, like, yeah. too good. We it's too kind good of a, at your job. <laughs> yeah. So it's too. It's kind of like a mixed bag, right? You, you're so good that you just you, everything just operates so well. You get things done. Things just get done, and they just happen. And then people think it's just part of the normal because you know that's just what happens. But it's actually like a whole process that was built out from head up, or from head up, from toe up, and you know it. It. It's just funny. To like see this stuff because I see it across like different categories like That's online, amazing. offline, individual, smaller scale. Psychology is one of those things that if you have not actually like looked into it, you should go read just like a generic basic psychology book or sociology, the way that humans interact yeah. with each other. Sorry. I could tell you one I, no, I could tell you what to add to add on to what you're saying, like a lot of people don't have a lot of empathy. And so when it comes to my communities especially there's a bunch of skilled players that were are naturally good at the game, like at Tekken 7 or at these fighting mm-hmm. games, but a lot of new players like myself are not. It takes a lot of work and a lot of time to get into it, and, you know, we, we want to make sure... we I always strive to make sure to that, like, the skilled players that are, like, the senseis, we have, like, a sensei role at our Discord, but you have to earn that role. You don't, you don't just... I don't just make you a sensei, just, like, call it a day. It's vital. Uh, you have to actually earn it, and you have to actually prove to me with like my own little metrics that you are someone that people can go to, that someone can go to for help. Either because you're either really skilled, you're really knowledgeable, and you like to help people, or like um, you're you're just such a positive person that uh, like nobody feels bad about like playing with you, or like they don't they don't they feel like I feel like you could be a positive role model. To them. And so a lot of times, a lot of new players, from what I've seen, uh, they sometimes get put down. Sometimes. A lot of people don't realize, like, just because someone is, like, they may be complaining a little bit, it, you should at least give them a chance to at least work with them, or, or at least, uh, this is the other, this is the other problem, okay, it's not a dark side to, to, to building a community, but this is, like, 
a challenge, right? When you have regulars or have people that are kind of like they know their stuff, sometimes they don't really remember. They don't remember what it's like when they they don't remember what it's like to be a scrub themselves. So they sometimes are kind of out of touch, and so sometimes I have gotten on to certain senseis because like either they swore in a way that was constructive, like they used language in a way that was constructive. They made their they didn't watch their semantics. Like you have to like kind of sometimes have like a customer service kind of relationship with people you don't really know, uh, especially yeah. new people that are coming in, new people that are coming into your place. Um, you know, sometimes sometimes it's not in your best interest to like, um, you know, just engage with them normally like you would your regulars because they haven't all been integrated in, assimilated in or whatnot. Like when I know there's a new female, new lady viewer. You're you're chopping. In. Hold on, hold on. You're, you're oh, sorry. It's Discord. So I don't know if it's myself. Discord. <laughs> it's just it's like Discord. the top oh, bro, of your Discord. sentences or your words just yeah. like keep getting My, chopped. I'm, I'm wired right now, so like no, it's got to be Discord. Discord's like where it, it could be. So what's funny is I've noticed like sometimes when I'm on the East Coast server, I have a little bit more choppiness, and then when I'm on the South server, I personally don't have that choppiness. They like you okay, might we oh, can change oh. that. <laughs> yeah, let's hold go ahead and change that. Okay, so, it's, it's sometimes it's nice to like pop in and pop out of the discord to make sure that <laughs> that happens no you're but, right you're right all right well, um, we'll go ahead and try it out now so we're um so so what i think but it yeah. is is yeah so continue yeah so like uh we've we've uh it's kind of tough to you don't you don't always want to just be your uh not not want to say be yourself but like you don't always want to just be 100 percent like talking to a new person that is in your community like you already know them you got to sometimes get to know them and sometimes you have to be on your guard because you don't know who it is it could be like a troll for all we know right so you know some like people are going to always test your boundaries and that's uh that's what you got to be aware about if and if they don't know your boundaries you have to make sure to establish it but like um uh like for example if you know that there's a new f and you're trying to make sure a community is like very friendly like some some streamers don't care about having a community friendly for everyone that appeals to everyone Maybe they don't really care about how people interact. They just they just have a, like a Discord just because it's just there if people want to be in it, but they're not active themselves. I try to take a direct hands-on approach to interact with my community. With it's my a little harder to be active in a Discord where no one else very is active. Harder. So, very, very, yeah. <laughs> yeah, very, very hard. Um, luck luckily, though, like if you're, if you're continually growing, you have more people. If you have a lot more help and you have your own group of regulars coming in interacting and to be like self-sufficient, you don't have to worry about it as much um but yeah if you have like new folks in you know especially for my community you know i have to make sure our regulars are you know welcoming them and being nice to them and not and not assuming that they know what they're talking about mm -hmm. instead assuming that they are like a new student enrolled in a college they need an orientation right um it's it's really beneficial to sometimes have a customer service kind of mentality or approach to bringing in new people in because you you want to make them feel welcome but you don't know their intentions and you you want to make sure that they get to know you once you're and once you're comfortable with them, then you could joke around with them, you know, be more comfortable with them, be more yourselves and be loose with them. Like if I know, for example, there's we have we have quite a few number of like female viewers or female members that are part of our community. Mm -hmm. And um, and the number one thing I, I made sure was to make sure that I have my rules made so that it's like it's about not testing boundaries rather than like, don't be sexist, don't be don't be don't be this or don't be that like. 
not being sexist is making sure that you're not testing like a, a female members boundaries because it's very very easy online to just make kind of comments that make someone uncomfortable um so like when i know a female viewers coming in like new ones coming into my stream i don't i just say hi to them and I, I try to get to know them but i don't joke around with them i don't try to joke around i don't do anything because i don't want to i don't know them i don't know what what they're comfortable with uh, i don't know mm -hmm. what why i don't even know why they have even checked out the stream or they're sticking around but i gotta get to know them right so uh but like i tried i try to be i try to be active and conscious of that not because i'm trying to trying to keep them as a viewer but because I need to get to know them before I'm even comfortable being more myself with them specifically, right? So that's one of the challenges that people need that I think uh, streamers should also realize is like when you're building a community and you're having new people in that you don't really know, especially if they're not coming from your Twitch stream, but they're coming from other places like word of mouth, like other members have recommended them and you don't really know them. You know, you want to you wanna be – it's okay to be a little bit on guard. It, don't worry about like – you don't have to constantly be like – 100% open, open, and letting out your life story and letting all your personal details <laughs> out to relate to them. You know, it's okay to just, you know, slight, you know get to know them a little bit and and seeing what you're comfortable with and what they're comfortable with. Um, so, yeah, but but let's just let's just let's just be real. The dark side, the dark side of community building is is a network. Yeah, no, I like I like what you how you put it. The networking and working with people is like it tends to be like the most problematic because they can. They can do a lot of damage. They can do so much damage to you uh, on that front. Sorry. No. Uh, yeah. Are we good? Yeah. No. I I like took a moment. I had like a. That's well, okay. It was almost like a gasp of air, but a burp at the no, same okay. time. Yeah. I, yeah. Because I, I, like I said, this is one of the most important topics. I feel like everybody should learn, and not just simply building community, but being a part of a community, right? So we're not even talking about being a part of someone else's community. We're talking about being building your own. Look, everybody uh, should just take an etiquette class. Like, let's be real. The whole I agree, one hundred percent. Skewed, but I've had. I've, I'm actually glad. Like some some members actually helped me self police chat at self police community because like they understand like what I'm comfortable with and they understand my vision. They understand the rules. They understand how I operate. Like if they know that I wouldn't do it, they know that I wouldn't let it fly. They don't try to allow it to fly, but. There's, there's also a harsh reality, though, that I've started learning recently. It's that sometimes, especially in your public spaces, and when you're a public persona or a public influencer, sometimes you can't control the spaces that you primarily operate in. Sometimes you got to afford to be loose. Sometimes you have to test your own comfort zones so that you can kind of – because you can't really please everyone, but uh, there's an easy way to piss off everyone, even if it's um, – and you have to weigh the risks and the pros and cons of – making a decision that you know will affect a community or provide controversy as long as it like as long as you feel comfortable with your own core values and it doesn't conflict with your core values you know don't be afraid to tackle it even if it might drive away some members away you know because ultimately the platforms are supposed to be there for you but like don't be afraid to push your own boundaries or kind of loosen up a little bit that's what I started learning recently, personally. Like, I started being more loose with kind of like, uh, like the swearing rules, for example. I try to, I now incorporate a policy called Dojo After Hours, where you can swear and be yourself all you want. Like, you can swear as much as you want, as long as you don't go overboard or you're not like, uh, being rude to other members and you're cursing at them. Yeah. And that's the best balance, and and it's an amazing balance, and also an amazing evolution of of how the brand and how my communities works because. People don't have to feel like they're they're being censored or 
even though I've never censored one. I've only ever, the only thing I've ever said was like, if you swear unnecessarily, your message might get deleted by the bot. But that's it. Like you can still make your point. Just watch how you watch how you conduct. Watch how yeah. yeah and yeah. etiquette courses need it. Yes, I agree. <laughs> it's like, like I can tell certain things are frustrating you about this. Yeah, but, uh, yeah. Like man, I really do not like talking. I've made it very. I've made it like I've 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 been honest with people. I said in my streams, I don't like talking with people. Especially if I, because I bring a lot of people in voice chat to my streams mm -hmm. a lot, and I make it very clear I don't like talking with people who just are gonna swear unnecessarily. Like I want to feel like I want to feel like I can actually hang out with you without feeling like you're having a sailor mouth because it's like it's very draining having to deal with it, and then like you're also affecting the streams itself. You're not being kind of a good role model if you're just swearing. But during Dojo after hours, where it's okay, this policy it's okay. The policy is now like the policy has actually helped people. Uh, be comfortable with my boundaries, but also allow me to be comfortable with most online communities' tendencies to just want to swear from time to time. Um, so I feel like I found the best balance for that. So for yourself as a as a streamer or whatnot, like you gotta find the best balance for yourself too when it comes to building your communities. Because even if you don't agree with something that a lot of people are giving you feedback on, you want to go ahead and find a way to compromise. Sometimes it's sometimes good to compromise. But you don't want to compromise too much uh, because it may not be in your best interest if, if it makes you too uncomfortable. And that's something that I had to learn for a long time, figuring out by myself, um, figuring out how to do. So, so as you know, we uh, have entered in a topic that could be talked about forever. Um, yeah. I'm going to try to just go through um, real quick. So let's just summarize that real quick. Building a community is very hard and difficult. There are going to be people that push your boundaries, and you are going to have to know when to kick them and when to just say stop. Um, <laughs> it's always good to push your boundaries, though, and but don't push them too far to where you are completely uncomfortable. But, you know, dabble your water in the deep end a little. Um, did I miss anything with that? Um, be wary of people think... at first. Yeah, be be a little bit unguarded, uh, you know, at first, and then like watch, you know, you may not as you grow, you may not always, uh, you know, there may be people that might take advantage of you. Just be aware of that, uh, you know, uh, sometimes oh, you won't pay you won't your get to truly know a person. Pay your artist, yeah, that's no issue for me. I've always paid my artist. <laughs> no, I'm just <laughs> like that's another thing. Yeah. Pay your artist and make sure that you're both protected from them trying to come back at you. Make sure it's okay to use their work commercially versus mm -hmm. personally that's another thing yeah um so like always we have a tradition of having you ask a question while having a topic and asking a question are very similar what is your question for the audience what was it? do you remember the last question i had for the last podcast no and that was oh, literally darn. just a couple days ago <laughs> i hope, I, well, I, hope I, don't, I don't i hope i don't repeat it yeah i hope i don't repeat it um it'll, it'll, it'll hit me if you repeat it but <laughs> Yeah, if you're if what I would probably since we focus a lot this past like hour or so on talking about communities, I would like to ask you and all the audiences like, what do you try to get like out of a community, or what, or what kind of struggles, or what kind of benefits? Because we never, oh man, I would love to do another podcast where <laughs> we we talk about the benefits of, of building community, not instead of like the dark side of it, right? I want to talk about the light side of what it means. <laughs> the to build light a side. 
Join yeah. the dark side. I, as yeah. it is, <laughs> as it is, this episode has already turned into t- a two episode, which was already part B. So I'm gonna have to redo the intro. Any. Oh. <laughs> Sorry, cars. I just I'm. Deg- oh man, this fun it's though. I'm. In, I hope, yeah. So I've been really enjoying this. Uh, but I know you want to showcase some other stuff. Uh, some other folks. I know who want their turn. Who deserve to get their turn. <laughs> Joe, it can't be all about you, you narcissist. No, I'm just kidding. I know, I know. No, no, Um, but for real, we're definitely going to have to do another episode. I've been actually meaning to do an episode um, with the group Foxfire GGs about community, so maybe we'll get back on the topic of communities and the good side, and maybe I'll try to get a hold of all three of them and get them in one group to talk to just them. Yeah, that would be awesome. Yeah, that would be awesome. And then I can also showcase our episode on communities um, that'd be dope um but yeah that's my question to you and the rest of the audience that are so, um like the what, benefit what, for me is yeah. well just interacting with people because i don't really have a lot of friends in my area right now um i have what's funny is i've made friends in my area because of like you know like twitch houston or twitch like austin or twitch twitch texas um in general but i have yet to really meet them because when i went to the meetups they weren't there so it's like, ah, uh, um, but anyways, so the benefit of communities to me is just having people to talk to and enjoying the company of the people that are around me. And that's why I've always had a complacent part in where I'm at in my content creation. And if I blow up, I blow up. And if I don't, I don't, I will always enjoy creating something of some sort. So okay. like he said, what? Are, what do you, what do you guys enjoy about a community? What are the benefits of the community to you, and what does that mean? Uh, like always, you can respond to any of our social media on any post, or at least for me, on any post on social media. The links are in the description of the podcast. But for, uh, I'm just gonna run down the social media list uh, for <laughs> right. unconventional geek. Sorry, I kind of like spaced out there for a second. Uh, it's a little later in the day than I normally record, or normally I drink coffee before I record. Um, <laughs> so this is uh, – you're going to be able to find us at Instagram and Facebook under Unconventional Geek. You'll be able to find us at unconventionalgeek.am where you'll find all of our social links and also where all of the podcast is hosted. And for average video game Joe, you'll find him – Oh, you'll find me on uh, <laughs> twitch.tv uh, slash average video game Joe. That's all in one word. Or on Twitter, AVG video game Joe. Um, yeah, because yeah, Twitter uh, doesn't like those long handle names. Yeah, it doesn't. It really doesn't. So, um, But yeah, like, like always, guys, uh, stay unconventional. Bye. <laughs>